Welcome to the Behind the Bits podcast. Your host, Scott Curtis, wants to learn everything he can about stand-up comedy and take you along for the ride. Scott and his guests talk serious about comedy in every episode. Behind the Bits will uncover knowledge from different perspectives on subjects such as writing and performing stand-up comedy, as well as booking shows and the comedy life. If you're thinking about becoming a stand-up comic, already in the comic game, or a comedy nerd, Behind the Bits is the show for you. Now, let's get Behind the Bits. Hey, BTB buddies, I wanted to let you know of a cool podcasting event I'm part of next week. The IndiePods United Virtual Summit is happening November 29th through December 3rd. IndiePods will bring you podcasts being streamed live from more genres than you can shake a stick at. they got a ton of podcasts every day. They've also got some great music and comedy talent lined up, including me, Scott. Check out IndiePodsUnited.com for more information and tickets. Check the schedule on Thursday to see when I'm doing my stand-up set and for the live stream of Behind the Bits that's going to feature Joel Byers. Thanks again for listening to the podcast, and here comes Jonesy. Today, I've got an actor-comedian known for his roles on Gotham, Unbreakable Kimmy Schmidt, and The Letterman Show. He's performed comedy on both coasts, and his stand-up comedy style is a blend of autobiographical stories and 21st century cultural critiques delivered with his East Coast attitude. He's participated in the New York Comedy Festival, Boston Comedy Festival, and Laugh Riots. He's also the host of a really cool podcast called Weird AF News. And if you know my humor, AF means always and forever. Haha. <laughs> but uh, yeah, he's uh, that podcast is really cool, really neat. Uh, and I'm sure we'll talk about that. Just uh, a quick podcast on the weird news that's going on, and we know what's going on. So we're bringing out Jonesy. How you doing, Jonesy? Hey, Scott, congratulations on you winning the award for a best interview style podcast. I mean, thank you. I found out about a half hour before we started here, so I wanted to put it out there. (laughs) That's tremendous. Uh, It's a lot of pressure on me now. I didn't realize I was being interviewed by such a damn professional. Uh, I'm very, very nervous now. Okay. I hope I do a good job here. Uh, I'm going to follow your lead. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Well, my lead is is you do most of the talking. So as long as that happens, we're good. Fabulous. All yeah. right. <laughs> so, talking is something I'm good at, so let's do it. Let's start out. Where are you from, Jonesy? Oh, I'm from Massachusetts. I'm a mass hole. Okay. As we say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was I was in this I, I used to be a heavy cigar smoker and I was in this group and they had a whole uh, subgroup called the Mass Holes. It was all Boston people. Yeah. Oh, fa- they must have been hilarious because yeah. we're we're very funny people. Yeah. <laughs> so when did you start doing stand up? I started around uh, 2004 uh, okay. when the Red Sox won the World Series that year. Okay. Never forget it. Uh, yeah, and uh, I tried it because my roommate in college was trying it. He was doing it. And I accompanied him to a comedy open mic. And it was terrible. And everybody was horrible. <laughs> Even my roommate was just bad. And I was like, man, if these fools can do this, I, I could. I, I have confidence that I could try this. And uh, I had kind of helped him with his material, anyways. Uh, uh-huh. So um, 
although the material wasn't very good, I just, I, I, I sort of got it. I was like, oh, okay, this is what you do. All right. And then I said, well, why don't I just try it on my own? And uh, rather than living vicariously through him, um, I had already been comfortable on stage. I had been singing in bands for a few years. Oh, uh, I, I, I sort of knew my way around the stage and a microphone wasn't, wasn't uh, something that made me nervous. So I thought, ah, you know, let me give this a go. Uh, turns out it's a lot scarier than singing in a band. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> at least for me. Yeah. yeah. You're just all, you're all alone up there without a net, you know, at least <laughs> in a band, if the song goes wrong, you know, this, the, the responsibility is diffused between four or five people. Yeah. You know, when, when the shit goes wrong on in stand up, it's just, it's all you, man. The mm-hmm. materials, you, the deliveries, you, the performances, you, it's all on you. Yeah, no doubt. So that first time obviously was a little bit nerve wracking. Do you feel like uh, it kind of started a started a, a a fire in you to keep doing it though? Yeah, it sure did because it was difficult, and uh, I was kind of like, I, I like the challenge. I, I thought to myself, hey, uh, I want to see if I can figure this out. You know, I, I I'm pretty sure I'm funny. I've been told I've been funny my whole life. Of course, that doesn't always translate to stand up, you know, as we right. all know, um, it takes something else as well. But uh, I was pretty determined to make it work. I just I just I wouldn't I'm like, I'm not going to stop until I can get some laughs, at least, you know, let me figure this out. Um, and then I got kind of addicted to it, as we often do. Those of us who have been doing it for 10 years or more, it's it's quite addicting. Mm-hmm. So thinking about uh, being where you're from and all the influences you had to work from, uh, who were your biggest influences in getting started and maybe even your style? Well, getting started, my influences were Chris Rock and Dave Chappelle. Uh, the, the one Dave Chappelle special that we all, we were all obsessed with my friends and I was killing him softly. Mm-hmm. We all could repeat that entire album verbatim. Um, we were obsessed with it really. And, that that was something that was an inspiration to me for sure. Mm-hmm. I also liked, you know, I found like an old Bill Cosby DVD. I mean, I know it's not cool to say that now, but uh, like Bill Cosby himself, you know, my stepdad had the DVD and I, I just, I, I watched that too. That is a tremendous special and it's, you know, it's storytelling style and it's, it's clean it's a really something. It's a really great piece yeah. that Bill Cosby himself. I, I recommend it to anybody listening now. I mean, go back and watch that. It's not the, the whole Novocaine thing. Uh, yeah, the, the, the I mean, scene is tremendous. The children coming down, chocolate yeah. cake, the breakfast. I mean, there's that. That is such a tremendous unforgettable special you know you your listeners should definitely give it a chance don't tell anybody you're watching it of yeah. course you want to lock yourself you want to lock yourself in a closet no watch and, uh, party yeah, yeah there's no watch party for that you don't want to tweet out that you're that you're doing that uh those are my early influences and then uh, or, or at least my motivators and then i sort of gravitated to the style of guys like uh i like bill burr uh, and I like Tom Segura and uh, Louis C.K. and Doug Stanhope. I kind of liked I like the because it's totally Boston. It's the it's the guy with the grievance. Yeah. You know, I mean, like, that's what I know. And, and, and in Boston, we're just like we're just complainers. We just mm-hmm. sit around and 
drink coffee and complain or drink beer and come. We're just a bunch of complainers, <laughs> but we complain in a hilarious way. Uh, and if you ever listen to a, a Burr special, you know, it's grievance after grievance after grievance yeah. in a funny way. Mm-hmm. And um, I, I really, that to me, that was like, oh, that's me. That's what I do. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what I do with my friends. Yeah. That's how I, my whole life. That's, that's what I've been doing you know, expressing my grievances in, in funny ways. And, uh, that's the kind of style that I like, that I sort of was like, ah, yeah, that's kind of like me. Yeah. Yeah. So those people were my, once I got going, I was, I I really like looked at them like, oh man, yeah, that's, those are the people who I sort of aspire to be. Louis CK, it's, you know, it's embarrassing to say that you're aspired to be him after what had gone down. But as I always say, I aspire to have Louis's career if he didn't have any hands. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If he had no hands, uh, that would be, that would be what I would like. <laughs> that would have helped him. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm um, thinking about um, comedy albums and comedy specials. What would you say are your top three? Well, I really like killing him softly. Uh, I like, I like so many of the Burr ones and their names escape me. Uh, I can't remember the names of the book, but there's like three Bill Burr tremendous specials that I really love. Not the last one, but even like probably the four before that, I'm like, you can't go wrong with those. And I like, I really like all of the Louis. I especially like the one he's in a suit. I can't remember what that one's called, but I really love that one. Mm -hmm. Uh, and I also like the Stanhope one where he's, uh, the what's the one it's the he's wearing the the baseball jersey um yeah these names all escape me that's the one where he's talking about his mom a lot yeah and i i liked uh tom segura's not the last one when he has a bag of dodgeballs on his back the one before that i really really dig that one quite a bit i'm sorry these names escape me that's all right that's all right. I wanted to talk to you about the weird AF news. Um, oh, yeah, so yeah, I've, sure. I've been listening to that quite a bit. And really? just tell me a little bit about that and where you're getting your news and what it's all about. Uh, I've been doing this a long time. Five days a week, weird news. And uh, and I've, I've missed very few days in the, during that time span. Uh, I do three weird news stories a day, Monday through Friday. On Friday, I only do weird news out of Florida, Florida only. Yeah called Florida Friday, which is the most popular episode. It gets twice as many downloads as any of the others because I think people are quite obsessed with Florida man (laughs) and and all the degenerate behavior that comes out of the state of Florida. Uh, I think think people all around the world are fascinated with Florida, really. Mm Uh, and of course, shows like the Tiger King help, you know, that fire. (laughs) I mean, it's, it's just a, a very crazy place. Uh, I, you know, I, I find, of course, I find my stories online where, where we find all of our weird news or any news. And I get a lot of articles emailed to me from from uh, listeners of the show uh-huh. as well. I get too many, really. It's hard to pick just three a day. Mm-hmm. There's a lot that I have to toss in the bin, unfortunately. Um, but what I like to do is take those sh- one to cover those stories that I didn't do and 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 do a bonus episode of them. And then I offer it on my Patreon so okay. uh, I do have a Patreon for the show. And if you don't have one for yours, you should consider it. You I can do. do things like that. Yeah. yeah. You got one? Yeah. You have one? Uh-huh. Yeah. So like you're probably like me, you're, you're trying to find ways of how can I offer my patrons some extra content? Mm-hmm. So for me, 
I'll, I'll just take those stories that I never did and I'll, I'll, I'll make a bonus episode that's like an hour long mm. uh, and I'll offer that once a month. Sometimes I'll even get a comedian on uh, to come over my apartment and we'll do the shows together. We'll do the stories together, which I don't do on my actual podcast. My podcast is solo. It's yeah. always been solo. Yeah. And it's, it's, it's great. It's been great for the pandemic. A lot of people have written to me uh, and even called into the show to let me know that it's helped get them through the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a nice alternative to mainstream news, which can be just really depressing, um, as you know, and as your listeners can, uh, you know, can probably say is agree as well. Uh, mainstream news, especially lately, it's just it's been it's been rough. So <laughs> weird news is uh, it, it, it it's a nice break from that. It's funny. The stories are usually funny and you and I try to add some humor to them as well to amp up the comedy. Yeah. And you learn something too. You learn a lot about the world. It's uh, there's yeah. a lot. I'm yeah. a curious person too. So uh, I try to choose stories that I, that are, uh, they are a blend of uh, funny, but also fascinating if, mm. if, if I can, you know? Yeah. I really enjoy your commentary. Do you actually like write stuff down for your commentary or do you just read the news story and then it just comes to you? So I improv the whole thing. I improv everything. Um, And I think it comes out okay. I think it comes out. I think if I was to sit down and write everything out, I think I could add more jokes, uh, but I just don't have time to do it. Um, If I was doing this once a week, sure, no problem. Uh, Write out some jokes, but I'm doing it every day and I just don't have time to sit down and do it. I just have enough time to do the recording of it read the article, give my take on it and then edit it and get it out yeah. and then market it. All of that takes tons of time. Yeah. I, if yeah. I, I imagine at some point, if I had a team to do all the other shit, I could take the time to write out all the episodes, but I, I don't, I'm not making that kind of money. I can't hire a team right now. So it's yeah. just me. So I'm doing the improv thing, but I've found that it's it kind of sort of lends a, a certain charm to the, to the podcast because uh, well, I'm reading it and, and the, the, the audience is listening it, listening to it and it's being revealed to them for the first time as, as it's being revealed to me for the first time, we're sort of discovering this weird story together. Mm-hmm. And my reaction is like really genuine, like, Oh shit. Oh, th- listen to this, this guy, this guy, listen to what happened after this. He goes to his girlfriend's apartment and he makes pancakes and then passes out. Like they, it's like, <laughs> I, you know, we're, I'm like, this isn't, this is crazy, crazy. And they're getting like this genuine reaction from me as I discover the story with them. Yeah. Um, and, and I think allowing myself all the mistakes that I make in there as well as kind of charming, it, mm-hmm. it gives it a natural feeling. Uh, and I, I do have a skill at improv a bit. I'm, I'm not, I'm not great at it. You know, Mm -hmm. I have friends that are just, just tremendous improv comedians. I am above average. I would say I'm good. Mm -hmm. I'm good. But I think that's enough to make it funny enough. Right. Um, Yeah, for sure. And so, uh, yeah, I do it. I try to improv it. I do have a pause button on my recorder. Okay. So that's helpful. So sometimes, sometimes I, uh, I can't seem to, 
get it together? Like, where am I going to, where do I want to go with this? What, what should I say about this? <laughs> I will use that pause button while I gather some thoughts uh-huh. and then I'll, and then I'll get in and do a stream of consciousness reaction to it. Um, yeah. I find the pause button is just a, a big time help. So in that way, I'm able to, the episode isn't completely like just uh one take. Mm. I will, uh, you know, I, maybe one take isn't the way to describe it. The episode is, I should say I do at certain points, if I need to, I will pause and gather my thoughts because mm. uh, I want to put out the best product that I can, although it's improvised. Mm. Um, and it comes with, you know, I'll do impressions of the people that are quoted in the story. I'll do accents. I'll act yeah. out, do act outs. Um, I'll sing. I mean, I'll do whatever I think is entertaining. Um when I'm, when I'm putting out these stories yeah. and, and so far so good. I have a, I have a modest size group of uh, loyal listeners that listen, you know, to my news every day, like they would CNN or NPR. I, yeah. I think. <laughs> yeah. Well, I really enjoy it. And like I said, the commentary is one of my favorite parts because it did seem to be natural and improv to me. So I wondered if, if that was the case or if you're just a really good writer and you do that five days a week. <laughs> yeah. You know, I'm a much better writer than I am improver. If I was to write these things, I think we would see it on a whole new level of it, but then it, maybe it wouldn't come off natural. I don't know. I don't know. Um, but I could tell you this, um, the other benefit I get from improving it is like, my, I feel as though doing this podcast for three years or so, I've, I've been working that improv muscle every day. And I think that's, I think it's something you can work at. It is yeah. a muscle and I think it's made me sharper. Mm-hmm. And I think my improv skills have improved as a result of doing it all the time. You know, it's like anything else. It's an activity that if you, the more you do it, the better you'll get at it. And I find myself in conversations now. Oh, I'm a little quicker, just a little bit. Just mm-hmm. so I've noticed it. I've noticed it. So I'm getting something out of it by doing this exercise every day. You know, it's funny. I was always, I was scared of improv and, uh, I do stand up too. And a, a good friend of mine's an improv guy and who he's always trying to pull me into it. So out of the, I started something out of the pandemic called the BTB internet talk show, which is an extension of the podcast. And, I play a part. I, uh, Dean, Dean Martin, he's been cryogenically frozen. He came back to life. He ran out of money because they thought him out and he's living with me. So I bring him out and I've learned that actually improving and people asking me questions and stuff like that actually helps me to perform comedy too, because you're living more in the moment. You're, you're not worried about your set and, and stuff like that. So I really never admitted because I was scared. I, I really never admitted that improv is a cool thing, but it really turns out it's pretty neat. Well, I think a lot of us standups sort of have always looked at improv as, uh, not as, not as, as much of a craft as mm-hmm. standup, you know, I think we, we say, oh, well, anybody with instincts and can just do that. Like, why don't you try stand up where you have to really it's much it's just a lot more work. Mm-hmm. And I think we can all agree it, it certainly is a, a lot more work. Uh, there are two different they're two completely different skills, though, and they're equally frightening. Some of us are more comfortable to having the control of stand up. I, I think I am. Um, although I am comfortable doing crowd work and improving on while, while I'm in, in my stand up as well. Um, and some people, some people, they can't write. I mean, it's just Mm -hmm. like, they just can't, 
they can't do the whole right repeat. Hmm. Take it back to the lab, edit it, try again. They just they just cannot cannot do that. And and the time it takes to develop a, a bit, I think uh, it's it's work, man. It really is work. Whereas improv is you just get up there and boom, and then you forget about it. You go home. You don't yeah. think about it again. Yeah, you know. Um, I guess it's your temperament. Like if you're the type of person that just you perform and you don't want to think about it after that improv could be totally your thing. But I am not that person. I, I will, I think about my performance. I'm always thinking about my material. It's like a a running dialogue in my head, back and forth, always on the lookout for new jokes, Mm -hmm. writing it down, writing things down, wake up in the middle of the night, write it down, record a voice note. Like, um, that's me. Yeah. Some people don't want, they're not, they're not there. They don't, that's not their character. Mm-hmm. Um, they just want to hit and go. Yeah. One thing I really enjoy about it is that it's not super long. And a lot of the podcasts yeah. I listen to are hour, hour and a half. And I need those podcasts that I can uh, put up when I'm driving and I can get to the beginning and end from the store and home, you know? So I'm, I'm, I'm glad that I found yours. Cause that's another one I can put in there. Yeah. Um, it's, I try to keep it at about 15 minutes, 20 the most. Yeah. Um, and, uh, it's certainly, if you're just going to listen to the stories, it's, it'll be about 15 minutes. Um, it might be a little bit longer if I'm publishing some phone calls at the end. I like to publish some listener phone calls. I don't do that every day, but mm-hmm. like today's episode, I've already edited. It's going to be a half an hour just because I have over, I got about 12 minutes of just phone calls over the weekend from fans mm-hmm. that I'm going to publish. Uh, but most, if you're just going to listen to the stories, very bite-sized, 15 minutes, 13 yep. minutes, and, and, and that's it. And, and that's good. And, you know, I think people now are getting a little tested with these long hour plus long podcasts. I think people are kind of getting a little like, well, we're at a little tired of it. Yeah. Um, the, the Joe Rogan three hour thing. I mean, yeah. we can't all do that. That's a, <laughs> it's a big commitment. Yeah. You know, yeah. so, uh, and, and with the competition of podcasts now, there's like over a million of them. So oh, yeah, I think it's helpful to, to be mindful of people's time. Yeah. And, uh, especially if you're doing a new show, let's just keep it, you know, yeah. keep it, keep it brief. Yeah, no doubt. So thinking about your, your stand up from the time you did that first one and it kind of put a, a bug into you to keep doing it. When did you feel like you, well, let, let, let's talk about um, when's the first time you got paid? Oh, uh, I did get paid in, in Boston before I moved out a few times, actually. Mm. Uh, I th- I got paid to host an open mic. That was probably my first paid gig mm-hmm. uh, in the in the basement of a restaurant in downtown Boston called uh, the place was called the vault mm-hmm. it was an old bank it's a bank vault in the basement and that and the and the bank vault was the was the green room mm-hmm. the comics would sit inside the bank vault <laughs> it was yeah. pretty cool I, I think it's the restaurant was called remington's it's it's now something else i don't know if i don't know if it, if it even is a restaurant but yeah hosting a sunday night open mic for like 25 bucks or whatever it uh-huh. is and you got to do 10 minutes up front and bring people up and maybe they'll, maybe the, the booker would let you do another five somewhere in the middle. And, uh, just being an open mic recently myself, that was kind of like a badge of, of honor. Oh, yeah. we, we moved up and, Oh, you got to host that open mic yeah. that I, it was one of my f- first shows was that open mic. Uh-huh. Uh, so that was, that was tremendous. That was when you sort of 
you got to say to yourself, Oh, I'm starting to be somebody in this community. Right. Um, and, and then I, you know, I got some, some opening college gigs cause I was college age at the time. And my mm. style, I mean, my early comedy was very kind of boyish frat guy humor. You mm. know, that was what I, that's all I knew in life really. So, um, I got some, I got to open for some other comics at colleges in the new England area. So I, I made a little money doing that as well. And I, I, I was trying to move up to get paid as a feature. That was what I, th- I thought that would be my ceiling. Mm. Maybe I'll feature, but hard to feature because everybody wants to feature. Yeah. So I mostly I did. I was a paid as a host, and, mm. which doesn't pay quite a bit, but it gives you a great experience. Um, I can't recommend hosting enough, especially for comics that are beginning because um, it teaches you quite a bit. And, uh, you know, like, well, for one crowd work, usually is something you got to kind of learn if you're going to host and, mm-hmm. and it forces you to learn all the comedians names and, uh, yeah. that forces you, but like, it's an, op- I look at it. Okay. It's an opportunity to learn all the comedians names, learn their TV credits, speak to them because yeah. you're going to meet them at the shows. You're going to talk to them. How would you like me to bring you up? Mm-hmm. What TV credits you want me to mention? What would you like me to say? And it can, it can allow, it's an opportunity to ingratiate yourself to comics who are above you. And if they like you, you can get work through them. So mm-hmm. hosting was, was a tremendous help. And I always recommend newer comics host, but I think a lot of comics think it's below them to do such a thing, but I think it's important. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. I feel, um, I I've watched, I did a little homework and I listened to a couple of your podcast, uh, interviews. I re-listened, re-listened to the one with, uh, Matt and watched a couple of your stand up sets and stuff like that. Um, so I get a vibe from you that you have, enough self-confidence to say what you want without being an asshole. Is that, does that seem to be, be pretty on, on point? Uh, yeah, I suppose. Although the things that I want to say have shifted, uh, you know, there's a, there's this social pressure to not talk about certain things. So I usually don't really go there. Uh, but if I feel strongly about something, I'll I'll say it. Mm. I feel confident enough to say it. I've I've been doing some. Well, this year has been a wash, but prior to this year, I was getting to the point where I was doing some pretty risky stuff. Um, I was really kind of pushing the envelope, and uh, I felt confident doing it, even though it doesn't always it didn't always work. I was work trying to get there where I could talk about some pretty edgy shit, mm-hmm. uh, some dark stuff. Uh, some stuff that isn't uh, culturally sanctioned for a a straight white man to say. Mm -hmm. Uh, I was, I was dabbling in that a bit, a bit, Um, but, and I felt confident and I can make it funny. And I, and I was, I was moving in that direction. I I can make it funny. So uh, did you make that change because you were bored with the stuff that you were doing or you felt like you were, Yeah hundred percent. I mean, you know, I think if you're, if you grow, when when you're growing as an artist, as a standup, you can go, you'll go through stages. This is just my opinion. But so the first stage is to just say, to just get, get up there, get on the mic, survive it Mm -hmm. and get off. If you can remember what you said, (laughs) that's your first five times, right? Uh 
maybe 10 times. You just get through it. You don't even know what's happening to yourself. It's like going, a, it's like going a couple rounds with a very skilled boxer who's way out of your league. Like you just want to get through a round or two and mm. you're not going to really remember what the hell happened. Cause you've just been punched here and there. You know, those are your first few times. Then it's get a couple laughs, get some laughs, get up there, get some laughs, get off. Get, and you don't even care how you get the laughs, right? You right. don't even, you'll say anything, get some laughs. You'll say things that aren't true. You'll say things, you, you might even recycle an idea you've heard before. Let's, you, you might not even be completely original. You may lie. You may be completely unoriginal. You may, you may embarrass yourself by doing some, some lame ass impressions. You'll do anything to get a laugh. Uh, that's the next stage. Mm-hmm. And then, then after that, when you get, you know, then you want to crush. So you get to the point where you're crushing with this stuff. Mm-hmm. You'll say anything. doesn't have to be true. You may recycle some idea. It doesn't have to be completely original. Just crush. And then after a while, you, I think if you want to grow, you start to say you get a little discerning with your material. You want to kind of challenge yourself. You want to get more, uh, in my case, this isn't for everybody, but you want to get more truthful. Mm-hmm. You want to get more, you want to share more of yourself. Uh, why, why be more truthful? Why share more of yourself? Well, because I think you get to the point where you say, how can I be more original? Cause mm-hmm. I've been crushing, but I'm talking about fast food restaurants or I'm talking about, not that you can't get original with a fast food joke, but dating apps or, mm-hmm. you know, let's talk about sex and, you know, maybe you're crushing and it's not so original, uh, so getting truthful and getting bio- autobiographical, sharing some some of your deepest secrets, your deepest points of view, stuff that you're you're you might even be embarrassed to share. Mm-hmm. That's when you can really you have to go to those places to get very original, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and so in order to do that, you really got to get truthful. And you got to be daring to share more. Uh, only then, I think, this is just my opinion, only then will you become that comic that they remembered that night because mm-hmm. you did that bit about the first time you tried meth. You know, mm-hmm. I do a joke about doing meth. And, you know, I don't hear people talking about that. You certainly don't look at me and expect me to talk about that. Mm-hmm. I don't look like someone that would try meth. Well, I did. And here's the story. And it's fucking hilarious. And, and when I'm on a, when I'm on a set and then you see me after you like, that's the guy that told the meth bit, mm-hmm. you know, now in order to get to that place, you really got to get truthful and you really got to share. Otherwise you're just another comic that got some laughs. They don't even remember what the hell you said. It made no impact. Yeah. But if you got up there and you talked about your, you know, the time you tried meth or whatever, or the time you, 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 you slept with a, with, with someone that you thought was one gender and ended up being another or like whatever it is, like some unique experience, something that stands out. Uh, that's when you become memorable. That's the other stage of, of the artistry, I think. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and, and that's, that takes a lot of work and it's hard. That's when it gets hard because what you end up doing, which is what I ended up doing was saying, fuck all that easy stuff that I used to do to get laughs. Like I can get these laughs. It's very easy. I can tell those jokes that I told eight years ago and get an easy laugh. Mm -hmm. Like that's not challenging to me anymore. It's not fun. I want to, 
I want to be more. I want to share more. I want to be more unique. I want to be more original. I want to be more memorable. Mm -hmm. I want to touch people more deeply. Mm -hmm. I want the laugh to come from the bones, from the real core inside. Uh, instead of just laughing at it like it's just another meme, mm -hmm. you know, we can all sit around and get make those memes, those jokes. You know, these aren't we can find them on the Internet, you know, and I don't want to do jokes that you can just find on the Internet. I want it to be something special that you can only get from me. And so some of the things that I've been sharing are like my unique experiences in the world. And, and it's uh, it's fulfilling to me to get to get those sorts of bits to work, to get laughs at it, because it's hard to get laughs at that. It's hard. Some of the stuff is not easy to to, to hear. It's some of my pain that I'm mm -hmm. sharing. Well, know? it's almost like starting over, isn't it? It is in a way starting over, although at least you have the comfortability. Right. Because you've bombed so many times and you've been in so many situations, you can you're more comfortable trying new bits out, you mm -hmm. know, uh, that because you have to be able to sustain a bombing to get this new risky material to work. Uh, and, and how do you sustain a bombing? Well, you're either a sociopath, you don't care at mm -hmm. all, or you've bombed many times in many different situations. So you know how to handle it. You know how to get yourself out of it. Mm -hmm. um, and, and, you know, using trickery or going to crowd work, or even if sometimes I have to reach back and do those older bits to get them back, mm -hmm. just to let them know, okay, you want a regular joke? Here's a regular joke. I can just tell a regular joke about tits. Here you go. Funny. All right. Now can I get back into the talking about my biological father? All right. Let's, uh, <laughs> uh, a little bit of that. Uh, so that um, prior, I hope I answered your question. There. Yeah, you did. Uh, prior, it, there's a lot of stories about prior doing that at the uh, comedy store that yeah. he would go on and he would just, he, he would suck. He would do an hour of complete suck and then yeah. he'd come back the next week and it would suck a little bit less, a little bit less. And then all of a sudden it's a special. And because he thought, I mean, he did all his stuff pretty much on stage. Uh, he didn't write as much and it was very improvisational for him. So that it, it really, it's, it's hard to do because you are used to doing a show, getting a lot of laughs and, people saying hey that jonesy's pretty cool and now you're switching to hey i did math uh and uh it's yep. it's really a heartbreaking story but look i made it funny maybe and then <laughs> it's it's hard because you know your audience first of all if you have fans they are thinking one jonesy and you're turning into a different jonesy well yeah it's like you know it's like when marvin gay went from all that you're all I need to get by. <laughs> like, and then he went into, you know, inner city blues, uh -huh. you, know, uh, you know, trigger happy singing about trigger happy policing. Mm -hmm. And the natural facts is I can't pay my taxes. You know, mm -hmm. he went from singing about love, doing those duets to singing about, you know, now you got mother, mother, there's too many of us dying, mm -hmm. you know, uh, that was amazing, you know, and, and, and if you know the story about his career, you know, you know that Motown and the guy who was in charge of Motown, I forget his name, but he was pissed that Marvin Gaye made this change. He's mm -hmm. uh, like, Marvin, just sing about the love, sing about love. We're making money. But Marvin was like, there's a, there's a war going on right now, man. Yeah. There's a Vietnam war. 
there's civil rights going on. MLK was just killed, bro. Mm-hmm. I'm not singing about fucking walking through the garden with my baby girl. All right. <laughs> I'm not, I can't live with myself if I do that. Yeah. And, and of course you have, your audience is going to be a little confused. Correct. Yeah. You know, and, and he was one of the few Motown artists to do that. Uh, yes, absolutely. Luckily, he, his, you know, the, those songs, you know, are the later songs are still beautiful. Mm-hmm. You know, like those songs are still beautiful. And so you can listen to them and, and you know, they're not like they don't make you angry. Really. Mm-hmm. They, you know, they're doing something else. I mean, yeah, I guess if you pull out the lyrics and read them, and uh, but they're just—they're beautiful. It's beautiful music still, and, mm. and I think he can get—he could get away with that because he was so gifted. Um, but it, it was a conscious decision by him, and of course, you got to forego the big paycheck to make this transition. Yeah, but it's like, what do you? What motivates you as an artist? If it's money, I mean, you're in it for the wrong reason, right? You, you know, and and you know this as a podcaster. If you're in it for the money. <laughs> You're not, you you know, you're in it for the wrong reasons. Yeah. It's so hard to make money with the podcast. It's actually so hard to make money as a standup. Yeah. And I, I think if you were to talk to a musician, the competition there is crazy. It's so hard to make money as a musician. So, you know, what do you do at that point? Well, you do, you create the things that you want to see in the world. Mm-hmm. That's what's really fulfilling as an artist to create, to come out of nothing, put the thing in the world that you want to see. If it's cool, whether it's cool or whether it's sad, whether it's beautiful or funny, whatever it is, you make that thing in the world, you put it out there that you want to see. That should be your motivation. The money should come. The money's afterward. And I mean, you know this and you notice the people that do it for the money. They're not making the things that they want to see in the world. They're making the things that they think other people want to see in the Mm. world. And you see there's a level of quality there. It's it's degenerative. It's not great stuff. The songs that you hear on the radio sound like they were written by an eighth grader on their lunch break. <laughs> you know, there's no time spent in this. Yeah. Um, and, and it's the same with comedy. The, you know, the, there's mainstream comedy that just barely scratches the surface. I mean, this shit sounds like it was, you know, like anybody could have come up with it. Yeah. And then there's the stuff that goes deep, man. Mm. It's like, if you listen to Bill Burr, like, that shit takes time. That's a, there's someone who's my, there's someone who doesn't do it for the money. They do it for the ideas that they want to share, the mm. point of view they want to get across, the argument that they want to convince is true. It is is universal. Mm. Uh, this is what drives people like Bill Burr, I assume, just by watching their act because it cuts much deeper than your just surface jokes. Oh, I'm a fat dude and. Mm-hmm. You know, oh, watch me at the buffet, you know, and, and I'm not to denigrate like overweight comics, but I mean, you get, there's a lot of that going on where you're just, someone's just only working with the exterior, just not really going deep. Mm-hmm. You know? I feel like uh, maybe you uh, must have uh, grown up and got some empathy and that's, uh, that's why you d- uh, decided to change your artistry a little bit. Uh, it, it, it just looks like it. And it's, it's funny. People do it at different stages of their life. I didn't do it until I was in my late forties. And, uh, it's, it's a real awakening when you do that and you, you just want to change everything and, and you have to do it slowly, but I, does that, does that sound about right for you? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I guess it's a, I guess it, I, I was tired of feeling like a phony. Yeah. I think that's a, a big reason. Mm. I was tired of feeling like a phony, even though I got laughs mm. um, on the way up. I wasn't great, but I, got, I I knew how to get laughs. I figured it out. I felt like a phony. I wasn't being truthful. Mm. I would say anything to get a laugh, even if it was like, hey, I like to, I don't know. Hey, I like to sleep with overweight women. Here's why. I, mm. I just did. I would say anything. That's. You know, things that aren't true mm. just to get laughs and you feel like a phony. Not only that, I wasn't sharing who I truly was. Yeah. And that made me feel like a phony as well. Mm. And how many times can you get on and off stage feeling like a an imposter? Mm. Um, and and eventually you get tired of that feeling. Yeah. And you, you get tired of that feeling. And if you can get the confidence at the same time to be daring, be more daring, to share more of yourself, more of your truth, uh, if those things can happen, then I think you can, you could kind of at least attempt to take it to the next level. Mm-hmm. You also have to be cool with like losing out on some paid gigs, man. Like, yeah. I turned down stuff. I know I used to take anything. I used to take anything. Mm-hmm. Now I, I just, I'm like, I'm not going to do that. Like I can't, I struggle at casino gigs. I can't headline a casino gig. Mm. I can get by middling featuring because I can do 25 and get through with, with, with the stuff that I have, but I can't headline a casino gig Mm. and I'm not even going to try to do it. I've been offered. I won't, I won't try because my materials, it's not a vacation. A lot of times. It's not yeah. a vacation. It's not an escape from reality. I'm going deeper into reality. Mm-hmm. I'm going deeper and darker into my reality. Um, you know, I, I do a bit where I, 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 I basically say Amber Alerts are stupid. So, you know, what? Yeah, Amber Alerts, they're stupid. Here's why. I do a bit about why it's okay to sleep with a woman with a penis. You know, I talk about doing meth. Uh, y- you know, these these things are these subjects and stuff, this is not, this is not for certain crowds. I just, I guess is what I'm saying. Certain crowds. I just won't even do it. I'm not, mm-hmm. I know, I, I know it's a struggle. It's a struggle. They're yeah. just going to be like, they're like, why isn't he talking about a fraternity and, and drinking and sleeping with women? Like, yeah. this is what he looks like he does. Why is he talking <laughs> about this other shit? You know, uh, I look, I look younger than I am too. That's can throw them, but I'm, I, I used to talk about those things, man. I don't, you know, I used to talk about, oh, I live in a college apartment and you can't sit on the couch. Or you'll get pregnant like this kind of stupid shit. And, and I just don't, I don't, the online dating. I mean, we've all, you know, mm-hmm. just tons of online dating bits. And I, and that's what those crowds want to hear, man. That's what they want to hear. They don't want to hear Anything political, they don't want to, yep. you know, they just don't want to hear that shit and, or dark humor. Yeah. Well, you're fortunate in the fact that you were able to put a joke together, tell it, understand when to breathe and, and be able, you know, just the mechanics and now you can move on. And 
listen to George Carlin's albums from first to last. And, you know, he definitely did the same thing. And yeah, he, did. he totally did. Yeah. So it's, it, you know, it's, it's commendable that you're doing that. Um, so thinking about what you're doing, what you're doing now and working on now versus what you did before, um, did you get any advice from other comics that helped you along the way? The only, you know, I, the, the advice that I got that I remembered was from Ted Alexandro, who's a friend of mine and a tremendous comedian in New York city. And if he's Jim Gaffigan's opener among other things, oh yeah, um, his Instagram channel is just filled with brilliant clips of him at the comedy cellar. If, if anyone wants to check him out, Ted Alexandro is one of my heroes for sure. You know, we had, we used to have long conversations about this. He would help me. He, he mentored me a little bit. And at the time I was a high energy comic. I was like, bah, bah, yeah, bah. Mm. high energy. I was like a, you know, it's like Kevin Hart or Chris Rock, like this kind of high over the top energy, which is not how I speak mm. as you see. Yeah. Although, I mean, if I get angry I'll, and I'm really, you know, if we get into it, you know, if you want to, you know, you want to put down Dunkin' Donuts, like where it's fucking on. Yeah. You know, I get, you know, <laughs> That's that's a Bostonian. That's the Boston Church, the <laughs> Church of Duncans. Yeah. Right? So, uh, like I can't get excitable and 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 like that. But, but I was doing the, it was phony. It was fake energy. It was just like what I thought people wanted. Like my my material was okay, but if I came out high energy, it it always got a better response. Mm. I almost wrestled the the applause break out of a crowd, you know, like, like you'll see like, you know, urban comics, people will say, uh, uh, will, you know, we'll, we'll do this often. You know, it's just like, it's just very loud and in your face. And some of the material, sometimes the material is like, it's average, but they're just really high energy with the delivery and they're just pushing their They're popping out these applause breaks and these big responses because of the energy they're putting out. Well, that's not me. And mm. I was just doing that and it was working and I was making money. Um, you can headline if you're doing that because come and come and top my energy was, which is what was happening. Yeah. Come and be more energetic than me because you won't, <laughs> you won't. And I'll just get an applause break from my energy alone. Uh, and I'm loud, I'm loud on the mic and I'm beatboxing and I'm singing and I'm doing all this shit. It's like a, it's like a thing to see, uh-huh. you know, uh, and Ted was just brought it to my attention that, you know, that's great, man. But it, what if you're doing four shows a night? How are you going to keep up that energy? You're going to do an hour, then another hour, then another hour. You could try, mm-hmm. but also I don't think you talk like that. So yeah. <laughs> maybe, you know, maybe be more conversational, maybe try it, maybe experiment, say the same things you're saying, but try and conversational, be conversational. And by the way, you'll be more believable on stage mm-hmm. and let's, and you can see where that might take you. And, it, and that was a real turning point for me. Yeah. So I thought, Oh, and I went from this high energy guy to then being much more conversational, quieter on stage. Mm-hmm. I let things sit. I, I allow things to breathe. I go, there'll be long moments of, silence when I'm doing my stuff now, mm-hmm. I would never, I was too afraid to let a moment of silence go. I would fill everything. I would just fill it with my energy, fill it, fill it, fill it. Mm-hmm. Now I let things sit. I let them breathe. I'm more co- comfortable. I appear more comfortable on stage. I make the crowd feel at ease. Like they're 
in my kitchen and I'm making them some waffles or something. Mm. Uh, and, uh, I, I, you know, Ted Alexandro really brought that to my attention. And if you watch his act, I mean, just watch him. He's just this, this, who is that more soft-spoken? He's so quiet and slow. And very stationary. Yeah. Yeah. Extremely. He's, you know, he is the epitome of that. And, and watching him so much, I kind of got it. Oh, okay. Uh, And Ted has been, was, he was Louis CK's opener, Gaffigan's opener. I mean, this is, this guy is, this guy's tremendous. Mm Mm-hmm. So with the way the world is now and comics and stuff like that, what advice would you give to somebody that's say in their second year of comedy? I would say, uh, start your own show somewhere because you can, you can get a lot of benefits out of that. Um, it gives you some, it'll give you more stage time if you have your own show. Um, I mean, I'm not, a, I'm not talking about a one person show. I'm talking about mm. book your own stand up comedy show. Yep. Uh, you find a venue. Uh, you can get a portable speaker that has a built in amp. And so all you need is that piece and a microphone and a cable and mm. you're off to the races and you can put that in your car and you can bring it anywhere. Yep. And they make them small too, that are very, very light. I mm. mean, there's a range of these things. It's really all you need. Uh, and then it'll allow you to get more stage time so you can develop as a comic, you can, you can experiment where, where do I want to go in the show? Maybe I'll host this one. Maybe I'll have another person host and I'll go up number one, which is the hardest part. Mm. Right. Um, you know, so you can, you can sort of experiment where you are in the lineup. Mm. You create, you can create your own environment to see, to see how you handle it. That's great experience. You also can make a little money. You can also, ingratiate yourself to other comedians by giving them stage time. And that can lead to many things because, you know, favors are a thing in our industry, of course. (laughs) It's like, Hey, I, I let you do a spot on my show. I notice you have a show. If you ever had a spot available on your show, I would love to do it. Mm. I would love to do it. So then you get more stage time on other people's shows. You can, if you have a budget for your show, you can book a real headliner of some sort. And now you're making friends with headliners mm-hmm. and they're going to, they're going to meet you. You're going to, you're going to be, have correspondence with them. You may even get their cell phone numbers and you're texting them because you're booking them. You can become their friend. They can see your act. You can, you can strategically place yourself right in front of them on the show so that they definitely see your act. If mm. you're confident and they might decide to use you. Um, so all of that, the connections that you make, the stage time you can give yourself, the money that you can make. You also teaches you how to be a business person. Cause you got to deal with a venue. Mm. You got to book people. It, it teaches you skills, um, important skills. You got to, maybe you, you, you even, if you're going to do it all, it teaches you how to do graphic arts. You have to create flyers yeah. for these things. You <laughs> might have to put them up to places. Yeah. It teaches you how to market. You're going to have to get the word out that you're having a show. Um, it teaches you about advertising. I mean, you can learn so many skills by just producing your own show. I think that's one of the best things that I ever did was produce some shows. Mm. And, and I think that's super, super helpful for a young comic to consider. I have to agree. I did, I did the same thing and it was uh, very eye opening. First of all, the business part and also the uh, ability to work on material and yet, um, 
pull in a decent audience is it, it, it's hard um, because because if they see you suck uh, one time, then you got to do enough stuff that doesn't suck and isn't new uh, in order to keep them coming back. So yeah, that- yeah. I mean, for yourself, I mean, sometimes I'd be on. I would. Uh, I wouldn't even book myself on a show. I would skip a show because if the crowd had already seen me the previous week, I'd yeah. Like, oh, maybe I'll skip this one. Yeah. Um, but you're in control. You're the booker. So you can, you can do that and you still getting something out of it, you know, Mm. because you're giving stage time to other comics. You might be booking a headliner and paying them a little bit of money too. And they, they love that. Mm. They love that. And they may throw a bone to you sometime. You never know. It's great. It's a, it's tremendous. It's a tremendous thing. I think it's good advice. Yeah. Great. Well, I tell you what, it was great talking to you, Jonesy. I know you've got a commitment coming up here and you got to get out, but, uh, I really appreciate you taking the time to talk. Um, obviously my podcast is a success when my guest talks more than I do and we did it. And, (laughs) and that's all I want to do. You're you're an award-winning host. Yeah. 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 All I get is a JPEG of my, my win, but that's cool. And you can always print it out and put it on the wall. Yeah. <laughs> Make my own trophy or whatever. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, it's just nice seeing Dax Shepard as a little tiny thing in the in the corner there. That's I, what yeah, I like. I'm very impressed because that guy's podcast is popular. So yeah. You, I mean, that's kudos to you, man. For yeah. Sure. It was all lobbying, but that's cool. Um, so uh, if people want to find you on the Internet, where do they find you? Oh, if they just want to find me, um, on Instagram at funny Jones, F U N N Y J O N E S funny Jones, one word. It's like funny bones, but with a J, uh, I have a website, jonesy.com as well. Um, and the podcast is, you could just look for weird AF news on any podcast listener, or I have a website for that as well. Weird And you can find the podcast there. Um, and I don't have any show. Normally I would update people with my shows and stuff, but for the foreseeable future, I have a private show coming up later this month. But you know, other than that, I don't really have any shows that I can, that I can advertise. So just the podcast is really all I'm doing, but people really like it. Um, it's not for everybody, but, um, you know, I would say, give it a chance. It's only like 15 minutes of your time and uh, see if you dig it. Yeah, I really enjoyed it, and uh, I will be talking about it to all my friends. Uh, oh, Scott, the, that's I'm, I'm so grateful for that, man. That's yeah. really nice of you. I appreciate that. The word of mouth stuff's important. It's the best way to spread podcasts, in my opinion, is word of mouth, man. Yeah. yeah. Well, thanks so much for being on the show. Anytime, my man. Bye-bye.